DZ Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan right across from me. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that's something you want to listen to on the regular, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple, Spotify. And when you get there, rate, review, but most importantly, subscribe. If you do subscribe, you won't miss our shows when we drop them on Mondays. This week was another weird off-season week. We're uh, broadcasting this one on Wednesday. But, uh, yeah, during the season when times are more normal and we're kind of in the flow of it, it's going to every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And speaking of Mondays at 7 p.m., it is that time right now except this Wednesday. <laughs> and uh, every Monday at 7 p.m., live on the A to Z Sports Nashville YouTube channel. And you can drop in, be a part of the show, comment, come hang out. Uh, we love responding to everybody's comments. And uh, you can be a part of the show. So, Subscribe, hit that notification bell, do all the stuff you got to do on YouTube. And yeah, I think that's oh, Charlie underscore Burris adds Zach TNT on social medias, a to zsports.com for the stuff that Zach writes. Now that's it, all my contractually obligated, you know, stuff up top there. Now, Zach, we were gonna talk tonight about Tennessee's offense. Uh, and in this coming season in 2023, we were going to talk about recruiting. There's a lot of recruiting news lately. We, we haven't gotten to talk about Mike Matthews yet. We we're going to talk about all that. It is, it is the offseason, but there was a lot to talk about. Uh, but I mean, I got to be honest, somebody in front of a congressional hearing today said that the United States has crashed alien crafts and recovered alien bodies. So I think that's what the whole show has to be about tonight. Yeah, I mean, trying to see if we any of those aliens can uh, play football, maybe. Josh Heupel can be out there recruiting. Yeah, Leave hey. No stone known unturned. What type of 40 do these aliens run? We yeah. need to know because, frankly, and, and can we get 247 on three over there to, to rate these guys? We we got to find out, are they ready to play college football, and can Josh Heupel offer them a scholarship? They we probably want big NIL deals. I'm sure it's already <laughs> it's probably something they've been doing for years. They, they will... If an alien committed to Tennessee, I do feel like they would ask for a lot of money. That's going to be pretty sensational, um, especially if they can like move without the limits of physics and things like that. I mean, you really got to think that's a valuable player right there. Very, uh, but you'd still have Georgia fans saying we weren't even we weren't even looking at them. Uh, we weren't. It that's wasn't true. A take. I we we didn't we didn't want the alien that can interdimensionally move through space. I mean, we didn't no. We didn't want him anyway. We're fine. We got these five stars, and we just won two national championships. We don't need him. Yeah, that is definitely what would happen. <laughs> In reality, uh, that is crazy, but we are going to talk about uh, the Vols tonight. There has been a bunch of recruiting news. We were thinking uh, if recruiting news from tonight had gone Tennessee's way, we probably would have talked about that up top, but it didn't with Kai Bates, and uh, we're going to talk about that, but then uh, also a little bit about uh, some sort of pandering offseason stuff that 247 wrote about Tennessee and Neyland Stadium. But we're going to start off with a little talk about Tennessee's offense and something specifically that you wrote, Zach, um, sort of not necessarily questioning how good Tennessee's offense is going to be, but just sort of throwing out a, a, an interesting element that can maybe affect the things uh, that happen. But we're going to talk about it right after I tell everybody about our first amazing sponsor, Farm 
Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans have been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some has stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health, dental, and vision. For better coverage, better rates, and better service, go to fphb.com slash ATOZ or walk into one of their 200-plus locations across the state. That is fphb.com slash ATOZ. Farm Bureau Health Plans. Support them because they support us. Now, Zach on uh, A2ZSports.com, where you are an absolute content machine. Uh, this past uh, couple of days, it might have just been yesterday, um, but for you, that's like 200 articles ago. Um, you you wrote about uh, some players' comments on Alex Golish and how it, it, these were comments about how valuable he was to Tennessee. And we'll start this. This isn't going to be kind of the primary thrust of the conversation, but I feel like it's a place to start to talk about Tennessee's offense this season. But what exactly was said? Uh, like I said, you wrote about this. What what happened? Yeah, I just I was listening to Joe Milton talk at SEC Media Day sp- specifically, and it feels like it's kind of went under the radar. Uh, Alex Golish leaving and going to USF. I know it was a big conversation before the Clemson game when you know he was already heading to USF before the Orange Bowl. I just feel like it's like just kind of been dismissed. Like, oh, it's Josh Heupel's offense. Not a big deal. Nothing's changing. And that stuff's true for sure. I mean, it is Josh Heupel's offense. He's the one that's kind of created this offense since really his days at Utah State, Missouri, as he as he came into his own, getting away from Bob Stoops at Oklahoma. And he's really perfected it. But Golish was a big part of that. I mean, he trusted Golish a lot. He showed a lot of trust in Golish to have a big hand in the play calling process. He's very secretive about how all of that kind of goes down, which isn't, I don't think that's really to throw anybody off of, of Golish or the OC position at Tennessee or anything like that. It's just hypo in general. I mean, he kind of likes to keep things close to the vest because he always likes to keep, you know, keep other teams guessing. But I think Golish was a really important part of that, not just from the play calling standpoint, but from the energy that he brought into the room. And that's kind of the comment from Joe Milton that stood out to me when he said, you know, Golish knows how to get you going. Uh, there's some coaches that can't get you going, but he can get you going. He can get you juiced up. He's smart. He understands what the offense wants. He kind of understands the flow of the game. That's huge. I mean, because Heupel's, he's still the head coach. You know, when things are going south defensively, he's still the head coach of the defense. He's still the head coach of the special teams units, and he's got to lean on these assistants, and that's not to take anything away from Joey Hosley, who's been with Heupel since he was a player at Oklahoma pretty much every step of the way. I think Hosley will do a great job as the offensive coordinator, but I do think there's a presence about this team that 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 Tennessee's going to miss. I mean, if you listen to Golish in his media sessions last season, he had this confidence about him, this kind of swagger, this, I wouldn't really say arrogance, but he knew Tennessee was good. And he wasn't willing to say, oh, yeah, we, you know, we're, we're kind of exceeding expectations or we gave it a good run against Georgia or we're so thrilled we beat Alabama. Like these were things that, that they expected to happen. And when they came up short against Georgia, they didn't care that it was a 14-point loss. They didn't care that it was a, a loud stadium in, in Athens and, or that it rained, none of this stuff. I mean, they lost the game. Georgia played better than them, than them that day, but they still felt like they should have beat them. Uh, you know, th- this isn't. They're not waiting to arrive. They have arrived. And I think Golish was a big part of bringing that kind of mindset to the team. Hypo as well, of course. But I just think there's going to be a void there that 
I'm not saying it'll hurt Tennessee this year. I don't know if they'll lose a game because they don't have Alex Golish, but I do think it's something that they have to overcome as they kind of figure out who this 2023 team is. Yeah, they had some serious familiarity with him. And there was there was straight up magic last season. And don't discount that. And I don't start this conversation about this topic to say, like, I think everything's going to fall apart for Tennessee's offense. No. Josh Heupel is the mastermind behind all of this. Make no mistake about that. That is widely known. He is the architect. He is the maestro. You know, it, it's his offense at the end of the day. And I really don't have a ton of fear uh, about it taking, you know, a, a giant step back or anything like that. Uh, but I really, the, the question that I wanted to bring up tonight, just because the season is obviously getting close now, what, five weeks? We are so, that, that's, that is so close. You can count it on one hand. Uh, but, you know, can to, to bring the same success that you had last season, you know, the SEC is not getting any easier. You're going to have to get right up there to where you were last season with this offense. Theoretically, with the players that you have, the defense should get better as a big old should. <laughs> you know, again, make no mistake about that, too. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it's going to take a lot. And Golish, Golish was a part of that magic. He, he kind of brought a synergy, I guess, mm -hmm. with Heupel. And and sort of the question, I didn't want to talk at length about Golish and kind of that loss of stuff, but just realistically, with what Tennessee lost here, including Golish, including Hyatt, including uh, you know every everybody else, D Darnell Wright, can they recapture that magic realistically? Because that that has kind of been the talking point that I've seen from everybody in national media this season. It's just like, well, we'll see if Tennessee can can actually do that on offense. We're not sure sure if Joe Milton is a good. We're not sure if if uh, you know who Dante Thornton can be. Jalen Hyatt, you know, th there's been a lot of talk like that, and. I, I don't know what what do you think? Is it in there? Can can the offense bring that same heat? Well, I mean, first off, I, I certainly think they have the talent. I mean, you you know the talent of Joe Milton, these receivers. You saw what you know Bruma Toy and Swer White and Ramel Keaton uh, could do in the Orange Bowl last season without Hyatt and Tillman on the field. I mean, you know that they can perform at a high level. Obviously, it's like, can they do it consistently? Of course, that's the big question. But the most interesting thing about this whole conversation and this whole question, I think, is that the outside conversation that everybody's having is the same one that we're having right now is can they recreate that magic? Can they go win 11 games in a road or in a season again? Can they beat Alabama on the road? Can they finally win in the swamp? Like all these questions are, are out there. Can they actually compete with Georgia in the SEC East? If you watch Josh Heupel and, and the many interviews that he did last week, the SEC, SEC media days, if you watch Joe Milton and even Jacob Warren and Omari Thomas to some extent, the whole time I was watching, especially Heupel, it just, he, he was loose. He was not uptight at all. He was very different than really any other SEC coach there. I mean, every SEC coach has their own personality, right? But at the end of it, they're all kind of prickly. They're all kind of... Oh, they they hate to be there. They don't want to be there. I mean, even Shane Beamer, who's kind of goofy and gets, you know, long-winded and gives really long press conferences, kind of still has this, like, defensive approach. I mean, we've seen it many times where he's kind of snapped at reporters, and that's not uncommon in the SEC. But something about Hypo just felt different. It was almost like, I know something that you guys don't. And you kind of got that from Joe Milton, too. And it was this calmness and this confidence that – 
you know, maybe it means nothing. Maybe it means nothing at all. And Tennessee goes out there and goes seven and six or eight and five, and it's a disaster of a year. You know, who knows? They got to play the games to find out. But just the vibe that they gave off was this this strange confidence where I'm not saying that they're going to go run the table or anything like that, but it does feel like the atmosphere there, like something special is possible. And, and that's a big deal. It's not just you got to have the talent, but you got to have the right culture in place too. You got to have, you know, whatever the winning culture is for, for a coach and a program, you know, it's different at Georgia than it is at Tennessee. It's different at Alabama. It's different at Clemson. I feel like Tennessee has that magic from last season still. So, you know, we'll see if that translates to points and wins and when the season gets underway, but it does, it does feel like they've, they've kind of still got that. It wasn't just lightning at a bottle. I agree. We got some good comments already. Billy Jones says, go big orange. Top troop says, go balls, go balls, go big orange. Nugs says, what's up, dudes? What's up, Nugs? Thanks to everybody for watching. If you are watching, hit your like buttons, your subscribe buttons. You know, you you know what to do. Big Jeff's in here, too, but we're not going to talk about any of the nonsense. I did, see, I did see Marvin Harrison Jr. wearing some blue shoes today at Big, Big Ten Media Days. They said it was for the Colts and his dad, but I don't know. Big Blue, Michigan, maybe, maybe there's some, uh, you know. He's gonna transfer. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he's he's let's gonna go play for the suspended guy. Yeah, let's start throw that out. What, yeah, what a bizarre story there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're uh, we're getting off the maybe we can come back to that. We're getting off the reservation a little bit, but yeah, uh, yeah. Jim Harbaugh suspended for four games, but I yeah I agree. I mean it. It's a totally different set of guys, but it does feel like they have mojo. It's different mojo. Because yeah, I mean Joe Milton just has more bravado in general. Hinton Hooker was so just quiet about his business he just went out there he got it done quiet confidence and and joe milton it's not like he's like you know some super out there beating his chest or anything like that but he he is kind of he does say things like i don't lose in florida yeah he's he's giving giving out some bulletin board material here uh more more than the absolutely no bulletin board material that hinton hook ever gave out uh and and so it's it's interesting but yeah, I mean, you, you look at this set of dudes, you're you're hearing that, you know, D- Dante Thornton is probably going to be a dude. We know Squirrel White is a dude. You got to run this. The same running backs that were super effective last season will have another offseason under their belt. Are, you know, are they five star guys that are going to absolutely out athlete you? Not necessarily, but they were really effective last season. Now, this brings me. To my question, re- the biggest question with this offense that I think everybody would have, this offensive line. Yeah. I I mean, I, I really have confidence that Milton is is gonna is gonna at least be the guy that we saw in the Orange Bowl this season for the majority of the season. I think. I mean, it just it just seems that way. He seems really confident, really comfortable in the system. But that offensive line, I mean, you lost, in my opinion, the best offensive line in the Southeastern Conference last year. Plus, plus some. He wasn't the only guy. Yeah, and Jerome Carvin gone yeah, too. Exactly. I mean, those are some big losses. And the thankfully, this offense is tailored to not need giant earth movers, but you get into short yarded situations where earth does need to be moved, and you still do need that to a certain extent. It can't be completely void of that. Yeah, I mean, the super speedy offense. You don't need guys that can sit there and block for seven seconds on every single play. You just don't. Uh, And you're not just forcing the ball downhill on every single play either where they need to just part the Red Sea. But, I mean, you do need guys that are pretty good. Now, 
your center is coming back. You have uh, the the guy who was your left tackle is probably moving to right tackle. Yeah. Or, you know, th- there's going to be some uh, movement there. You have guys coming back. Uh, but that that's my biggest question outside of just the mojo, the synergy, the things, you know, this goalish question too. Outside of that, I mean, the offensive line is the thing I look at where I'm like, it, they, they got to bring it. They got to bring it or else it's not going to be the same. Yeah, I think it, I think the whole season comes down to three things. The offensive line, like you mentioned, I mean, they're Heupel pretty much said during an interview at SEC Media Days with on three that Jeremiah Crawford and Gerald Mincy kind of they're going to hold down that right tackle spot the way they held down left tackle kind of split reps last season. That would put John Campbell at, at left tackle in Miami. So you got you really need those guys to show up and play well. They don't have to be perfect, like you said, but they you still have to be able to block some elite edge rushers in the SEC that are can get to the quarterback really fast. Then it comes down to accuracy for Joe Milton. I think that's a given. He, he looked a lot better in, in the Clemson game, in the Vanderbilt game, even though he didn't throw it a ton in the Vandy game, and, and his limited opportunities and kind of mop-up duty last season. Looked much better. Got to continue on that. But I think the biggest thing, uh, even bigger than the offensive line, and it's still something we saw in the Clemson game, is the difference in Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton is Hendon Hooker, you know, he wasn't a run-first quarterback, but he picked up a lot of valuable yards when he had to. I mean, I remember in that Florida game a couple of times in these third-long situations where he'd run for 12 or 13 yards and get that first down, keeps that drive going, and, you know, they put three, seven, three points, seven points on the board instead of punting. Against Clemson, it still seemed like Joe Milton had some trouble kind of seeing those, knowing or knowing when to escape pressure, seeing the holes, where to hit it, where to go, kind of navigating his with his field vision. That's got to get better, I think, because if you don't have that, I mean, that saved Tennessee as good as the offense was at times last season, as good as the passing game was, they didn't hit every deep throw. They're not going to hit every deep throw. There will be some miscommunications there were last season. I mean, we only watched the highlights, but there were moments where drives stalled out and things happened. A lot of times Hendon Hooker was able to extend those drives because of his legs and because he was able to see the field in a way where he could, you know, pick up those yards. He didn't he didn't have to do it all the time, but when he had to, he could do it. And I worry about Joe Milton being able to do that. I think that's the biggest area where he really has to improve this offseason is just his mobility and being able to, you know, to understand when he's got to tuck it and run and, and maybe not throw it away, you know, run and pick up seven yards. I, I remember a specific play in, in the Orange Bowl where think he threw it away and if he would have just tucked it and ran there was five six yards of open field in front of him and nobody there and he just didn't take it like you cannot pass on those opportunities then you're punting and then maybe you lose the game because of that so I think really I think that might be the key to the whole season at least offensively I I really hope he's he's working on that because that that was such an x factor with hooker man he was slippery could could get out of anything you, you know, I think back to some of the most important play, plays. The the one I think of specifically is the Florida game last year. There were a couple of moments where he just improvised and broke open some huge runs, and it is a game changer. And yeah, that that is big. I <laughs> I see Top Troop is giving me an opportunity to promote more stuff on our channel here, so I got to take it. He said it was kind of cool to see you and Austin on a show together. If you didn't see it on the A to Z Sports National YouTube channel. This past uh, Thursday, Austin Stanley and I hopped on uh, one of these uh, shows together and talked about uh, how Austin was at SEC Media Days with Hypel, with Joe Milton, with all the guys there at SEC Media Days. And he gave kind of a live report uh, from Nashville. 
and uh, go go check that out. And if and if you really only see us on the A to Z Sports channel, Austin is the A of A to Z Sports. He's he's the the owner uh, of and our our boss, I guess. Even is that I've, is that Austin's burner account right there? They maybe he's <laughs> like, yeah, it was really cool to see you on with Austin. Austin is really great. He's awesome. <laughs> uh, no, Austin really is great. You, you should go watch it. A to Z sports national YouTube channel. But before we move on, Zach, anything else with the Tennessee offense, obviously season coming five, five weeks away. Come on, baby. We're so close. Uh, but was, was there anything else? It feels like we've had, like seven straight seasons of I don't know what to expect in this first game. I mean, I know we're all expecting Tennessee to go out and score 65 points against Virginia. And yeah. they probably will get close to that even if things don't go perfect. But again, it's like, okay, what 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 is this? Joe Milton is the starter. This is his team. How is this going to look? What's the vibe going to be? How's it going to go? I think there's a lot of anticipation for this game in Nashville, uh, which is, like you said, just five weeks away. Yeah, going to be some nerves. And that one, uh, at least it's Virginia, though. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's a you know, you got to take them serious. It, we're still what four years removed from Georgia State. I mean, yep. obviously, that was a different era and a different team and a different coach, but those wounds are still there. Hopefully, it's the snoozer we all think it's going to be. Just beat them down. It's gonna be hot. It's going to be yeah. hot if you go. Gee, it's an 11 a.m. <laughs> local kickoff. Ugh. Yeah, and I mean there is no shade in that stadium. Just mm. stop, stop, stop with the neutral site games, please. I, I, in fact, we Zach and I can confirm one hundred percent that uh, some folks at Tennessee pay attention to the stuff we say. Uh, so hey guys, stop scheduling neutral site games. Yeah, I think the money please. that they get from that's probably gonna supersede uh, anything we say. Yeah. Well. Uh, Anywho, we'll we'll talk about we'll preview that game when we get a little closer to the season. Yeah, uh, great story along there with Tony Elliott, who was we thought at one time yes. might end up being a Tennessee head coach. So that'll that'll be a fun storyline once we get to that week. I'm sure he'll have some questions about that Tennessee job and and what went down in 2021. Yeah, no doubt about it. And obviously, losing that would be pretty embarrassing. Yes, uh, but let's not talk about that. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah uh, it should be a beatdown. It better be a beatdown. Uh, but next thing we're going to talk about is, uh, recruiting Zach, you and I have not gotten to talk about, even though this was a, a full week ago, Mike Matthews committing. And then there's been some more recruiting news. In fact, recruiting news five minutes before we jumped on here. Uh, and we're going to talk about all of it right after I tell you about our great friends, rattle and old Tennessee whiskey. Nothing goes better with a Tennessee sports victory, then a great whiskey. And I'm talking specifically about Rattle and Snap, Tennessee Select Straight Whiskey. Log Still Distillery has released a new Tennessee whiskey product line called Rattle and Snap, named after a long-forgotten game of chance. Rattle and Snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There's a four-year and an eight-year version. Uh, I've had both. Both are excellent. They go great in cocktails. They go uh, great neat just in a glass. So go grab you a bottle in stores all across the state of Tennessee, uh, from the t- it's actually been kind of fun seeing from the time they started advertising with us, I think a full year ago uh, to now their distribution has just gotten larger and larger. You can find them everywhere now across Tennessee. And uh, they're also available in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. Run, don't walk and get yourself some rattle and snap whiskey for those sweet, sweet Tennessee victories that are coming up here in just a few 
weeks. Follow them on uh, Instagram also at Rattle and Snap Whiskey. Thanks to them. Now let's talk a little recruiting. Uh, Mike Matthews, five-star wide receiver from Georgia, committed to Tennessee last week. Huge, 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 huge pickup. Uh, and I'll just throw it to you. Your thoughts on uh, on that, Zach, since we haven't discussed it yet. I mean, when was the last time Tennessee got like a super elite, just, I mean, not good, but elite top of the line wide receiver recruit? It feels like it's been quite some time. Maybe Cordero Patterson. I can't remember how he was rated uh, with that 2012 class. Justin Hunter, maybe in that range. Like It's been a while since they've had a one of the top guys in the nation. And you throw that into this offense. I mean, that's just mind-blowing to think about what what Josh Heupel and, and Joey Hosley and the staff can do with a talent like Mike Matthews because they've had talented guys. Jalen Hyatt was a four-star. Um, you know, Brew McCoy is a former five-star that, that kind of faded a bit and didn't really live up to expectations and went through some legal troubles and kind of finding his way now again at Tennessee. But this is a guy that's like Jamar Chase type talent. I mean, that's the type of talent you're getting here. What, what in the world can Nico and this guy do together? I mean, is it going to be you know, I'm not gonna say it's like 2019 LSU type stuff, but that's they're getting to that level of talent offensively that they're going to have. I mean, and you know the scheme works. In theory, it should only get better the more talent you have. So it's really exciting to think about, I think. And and to win that battle to go into Georgia and to get that guy to commit to Tennessee, it says a lot about what Tennessee's doing. It says a lot about the belief that somebody like Mike Matthews, who clearly has his eyes in the, on on the NFL. I mean, he's the type of talent that. He wants to be a first-round draft pick. He wants to be a top-10 pick. I mean, he's that type of talent. He thinks Tennessee can do that. I think that disproves a lot of the narratives about how recruits view Tennessee's offense in the NFL, too, because if he didn't think Tennessee couldn't get him there, he would go, you know, LSU or Georgia, Clemson, wherever, you know, any of these other programs that that have a you know recent tradition of getting players there. Maybe, maybe not Georgia. They haven't done that well with wide receivers, but they have put a few there. Yeah, guys absolutely noticed that. They notice the NIL money that's, you know, flowing through uh, school. They notice, obviously, just winning. Uh, they notice how much wide receivers are touching the ball in a given offense. Hypel is going to get you the ball. And Mike Matthews wants to get the football in his hands at the college level. And I, look, I haven't watched every single offense in college football, but I think you'd be hard-pressed to find an offense that's going to get you the ball more than this one. If you're really good, I mean, obviously you have to be really good. The rotation is short. You have to end up being, you know, one of those few guys that makes it into the rotation. But if you are, you're going to get that football a lot and you're going to be a star and you're going to be Jalen Hyatt winning Blitnikoff awards. And yeah, dude, dudes notice all of that. And I think this past year completely flipped the script. If, if Tennessee doesn't have the season they just had, they do not get Mike Matthews, period. NIL can only go so far. Dudes, dudes love money, but Georgia's given out just as much money as Tennessee is. And to, to get a guy out of the state of Georgia and you just know that it's off of the pedigree of all of the things that you just accomplished is just, it's, it's really unreal. I mean, it's, it's something that I'm not sure I saw Tennessee doing at least for a very, very long time until this thing was fully rebuilt when, you know, speaking of from when Hypel showed up, you know, you just kind of felt like it's going to take us a really long while. And suddenly 11 and two season, this dude works miracles. And now he's working miracles on the recruiting trail. 
getting five-star wide receivers because he's running the best offense in America. He's he's a crazy innovator. Austin Austin Stanley, actually, we we talked about this in our our video this past Friday. Go watch it, A to Z Sports National YouTube channel. Uh, and he he interviewed uh, Paul Feinbaum, and Paul Feinbaum, being the Tennessee alum and Tennessee fan that we all know he is, obviously he's he's, he's orange runs in his veins. Uh, but he he called in that interview with Austin, he called Josh Heupel a genius and said that he's the I something along the lines of the best offensive mind in college football. Yeah, and, and I, said he's the best play caller. Yeah. I, and I think he's exactly right. And and so that is gonna get you recruits like Mike Matthews. Yeah, Tennessee needs some guys on defense. There's no doubt about that. And they have a, a number of them in this in this class. Um but you, you know, you had an opportunity with Kai Bates uh, tonight to get a guy on defense, and you missed, you missed out. That that's going to happen with the way that Hypel operates this defense. But with this offense, I, I mean, this thing just it it is the the best marketing in the world to just put on the tape of Hypel's offense for a recruit and just go, hey, look at this. This is what we do here, and you, we, you know, you want to be a part of this. We know you do because you're going to put up a ton of yards, and you're going to get to the NFL, and you're going to win awards. And hopefully you're going to also win championships, but uh, that, that still has to come. Uh, but it, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. What an incredible pickup. You, I don't think you, you honestly, you can't say enough about it. It's, it's crazy. And I'm glad to see this. Uh, maybe the wide receiver, you maybe coming back around. No, you think so? I mean, they've, it's not like Tennessee hasn't been putting wide receivers into the NFL. They haven't done it like uh, on a level like LSU where LSU just put a dropped a couple of superstars, you know, into the NFL, Justin Jefferson and and Chase from day one, Clemson with a few guys. But they've had guys that have went to the NFL and had decent careers and and stayed on rosters and been a key part of offenses like Marquez Calloway and Jawan Jennings and Josh Palmer and Cordero Patterson still, you know, hanging on in the NFL for, you know, 10 years now. He came out in 2013. I mean, he stuck around and made quite a career out of it, even though he wasn't necessarily a, a superstar player that we thought he might be. So it's not like they haven't been putting these guys in the NFL, but I think now we might see them kind of at a higher clip getting there, which will only help recruiting. Uh, if Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman go out there and Velas Jones, uh, who was drafted the previous year, if they can go out there and really put up some solid seasons this year. And and Hyatt, first day of practice today is like an aside. I saw a clip of him taking an inner end around and outrunning every Giants defender on his way to the end zone. Like the speed plays – it's legit. It's not just because he was going against college kids, many of which are also in the NFL now. Uh, he's he's got the speed to to really outrun some NFL defenders, so he he has a chance to really have a a decent rookie season and contribute. You did a few of those guys to contribute. A few of those guys on the defensive side of the ball, maybe like Byron Young that's with the Rams, and, and this NCAA stuff being in the rearview mirror, like Elias mentioned there in the comments. It it really yeah. could change some recruiting. Absolutely, great point from Elias. He says, curious to see how much losing that looming NCAA shadow might change things in recruiting. You're going to have some big opportunities coming up. Uh, so you had uh, Ed Edwin Spillman. So he also committed. Let's not gloss over that. That's a big defensive pickup right there um, for for Tennessee uh, on some services. I want to say he was the number one player from the state of Tennessee. I was trying to look. Let's see on 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 three only. He was rated as a 90, unanimous four-star across all services. He was the number seven player from the state of Tennessee on on three. 
but you know, big big pickup there at the end of this past week. You have Camarion Franklin, who said on Twitter, he's it feels like things are trending Tennessee's way. Uh, ish. He he's one of those that's it seems like he's kept it a little close to the vest. Um, he's also kept his commitment date close to the vest. He's just said soon. It's coming soon. Um, we, you know, we're not sure exactly when, but that, that is one to keep on the radar because huge would be mm-hmm. a huge pickup for Tennessee. And, and maybe to Elias's point there, maybe that's what you see where finally these players know like, okay, I, I know there's no mystery here. We're, we're not going to get uh, a postseason ban and we're not going to have any any problems like that. I mean, u- ultimately, that uh, that punishment from the NCAA is going to be largely meaningless to Tennessee outside of like, you know, some vacated wins on the record books, which that's the stupidest punishment of all time because we all watch those wins happen. But regardless, um, yeah, I, you, there's a real corner to be turned here. Now, let's do talk about what happened tonight. Kai Bates. Uh, who it was kind of down to Tennessee and LSU. It seemed uh, defensive back. Tennessee wanted him. Obviously, you need all the help that you can get, but he chooses LSU. Any any thoughts on that one? I mean, let's not dwell on it too long, but what did you think of that? Yeah, I mean, you, I, I don't think you can ever get too mad at a coach for missing on an out-of-state guy. It's different with in-state guys that you're really going after. Those are ones you have to get. It looks really bad when you miss on those guys because then you got to watch – you know, T. Higgins go go off in the NFL for the rest of you know his career and know what could have been. Losing a guy from Florida to LSU, I mean, it's going to happen. It's more LSU territory down there than than Tennessee. They 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 border Florida. Brian Kelly did a really good job in his first year at LSU. I mean, you can't deny that. Uh, I was kind of surprised it got off to a rocky start, but he righted the ship. It seems like he's kind of finding his own way down there. He's shown a lot more personality than he did at Notre Dame. We've heard from behind the scenes that he's a lot more likable and personable within the building than you would think. He was a little more buttoned up at Notre Dame. So he's going to be a formidable recruiting opponent. He's going to be tough to go up against these next, you know, five to 10 years where you're hoping that Tennessee is going to be in the mix for national championships. You know, Nick Saban's 71. His time is coming to an end at some point. Maybe that starts this year. Maybe not. I don't know, but it could be LSU, you know, on that side of the, it won't be that side much longer with the divisions going away, but they could be one of the villains here for, for Tennessee set up a nice little rivalry because they'll be playing them every other year. So it, yep. I don't think it's anything to be worried about. It, it's disappointing because you wanted that kid, but it's, you know, it's just one of those things that happens. I mean, Tennessee's going to win some over LSU too. And they have. Absolutely. They, they were always, they were never going away. Uh, they, they've done LSU. Their talent. Very, I mean, you got too much yeah. in-state talent there. That, I mean, Ed Ogeron is one of the, most unorganized, just fly-by-night head coaches that we've ever seen in college football. Uh, and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and those guys, you know, won him a championship, and most of that talent was from Louisiana outside of Joe Burrow and a few others. Yeah, they. it's a lot like Florida, a lot like Georgia, a lot like Texas. I mean, it's just all – and, of course, they, they get a ton of guys out of Texas, too. They're right mm-hmm. there yep. uh, up against Texas. So, the lucky them. Uh, but – you lose out on that one and just just win more than you lose there. But and and also you look, Caleb Beasley, Boo Carter, if he ends up playing on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Marcus Gorey, Jordan Burns, Idris Farouk, all those guys either four stars or borderline four stars. Um, 
and so I, I think you're you're fine overall. I'm not I'm not crying any tears over not getting Kai Bates. The the defensive back haul in this coming class is good. And you've always no, got the already. portal if you need to add a guy or two. Portals there. Added no. Gabe, Gabe Judy Lolly this offseason, who yeah. I think probably isn't being kind of talked about enough. I think he could be a real difference maker in this defense. I mean, you can you can go get you can address needs. It doesn't always have to come through high school recruiting. I know that's the way Josh Heupel and them would prefer to do it. That's the way that you can tell they they're not they don't just go crazy in the portal. They don't chase after every big name. They're real select about who they bring into this program. But they've shown they're willing to address some needs through the portal if they need to. Absolutely, it's it's going to be all right. This is going to be a good recruiting class. Yeah. Uh, at this point, unless the thing just falls apart somehow. But if if you just keep the guys you have. Now it's a good class. So I mean, you keep landing top ten talent. Josh Heupel did not have top ten talent when he came to Tennessee. He didn't even have a full roster, and he really hasn't had the luxury of his own classes and top ten classes three years in a row or something to to really build on yet. So I mean, the, the, this I know it's cliche to say that the sky's the limit, but it really does feel that way with everything that they've had to deal with in these first couple of years. Absolutely. Uh, should we? We can talk about just a recruiting rumor here from Elias. He said Ryan Wingo is apparently in town. Can neither confirm nor deny on on my part. Uh, that would be big. Uh, maybe he saw that Mike Matthews hopped in the boat and he said, hmm, maybe, I, maybe I do need to go to Tennessee. I, have, I don't know because it wasn't, I believe, the, the sort of wisdom around him was that it had turned to Georgia for mm-hmm. Wingo, right? So um, Elias Gray, he said Ryan Callahan had said this again. I, okay. I don't. Well, I mean, that's hey, probably legit. Then, yeah, that's that's two four seven. That and <laughs> apologies to Callahan if that was like <laughs> if that was behind paywall stuff. Uh, I bet it was behind paywall stuff. Somebody in our comments said it. Ryan, please don't get mad at me. <laughs> You're a cool guy. <laughs> uh, if you can, if they can go get, if you can add Wingo or Je- Amar Jefferson to this class at wide yeah. receiver. Jefferson, my goodness, that would be a lethal combination in, you know, 2024, 2025. Wow. Nico's junior year. I mean, look out. Yeah. Uh, This, this could be a lethal offensive class and a pretty, pretty good defensive class. So just keep it coming. Keep, keep it rolling. Um, And yeah, I think, I think that's it on the, on the recruiting front. Uh, Might, might change lanes here. In, in this final segment, from what I thought we were going to talk about, uh, maybe we need to talk about this this Jim Harbaugh situation a little bit. Because I, right. I saw t- Tennessee, there were some people trying to tie in Tennessee with this Jim Harbaugh situation. Maybe we'll talk about that right after I tell you about our last great sponsor, Superbook Sports. If I can find the read here, we're changing the game. Help your bets stay hot this summer at Superbook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now, when you use the promo code A to Z, A-T-O-Z, you score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to $250 with promo code A to Z. Download the Superbook Sports app, enter the promo code A to Z, A-T-O-Z, and you'll get $250 courtesy. Of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. Superbook Sports. Go download that app. Get there. Now, we we were going to talk about something that 247 Sports wrote, this this sort of silly list about what was going to be the most uh, loud 
environments in college football this season, and I believe their their number one was Neyland Stadium against Georgia, or Tennessee mm-hmm. in Neyland Stadium against Georgia this season. Uh, and, and I was going to kind of lead that into a sort of conversation just around some of the biggest games for Tennessee this season. But let's let's go here. So Jim Harbaugh gets caught red-handed by the NCAA um, and is suspended for four games. Now he gets suspended for the first four games of Michigan season, and they are an absolute joke. It's like Eastern Michigan, Rutgers, like Northwest Tech State, just complete clown show games to start. Then they're all in in Ann Arbor. Uh, So it's going to be fine. I mean, this is meaningless. It's ridiculous. But what I saw today was people... A couple of different tweets where somebody was like, Tennessee committed 4,000 infractions or how, you know, well, however many was hundreds of infractions and got almost nothing. Jim Harbaugh, this and that, and he's getting a four game suspension. This is ridiculous. First of all, let me start off by saying neither of them should be punished. Players should get paid to play college football because they generate tons of money and that's how businesses should work. But with that aside, shut up. <laughs> Let's shut up. Because first of all, Jim Harbaugh is still the coach at Michigan, which I think is the biggest thing here. And I believe an element of this was that he lied, right? That was the biggest thing, I think. Yeah. He lied. It was just level, I think it was level two violations. But lied about them directly. And let's, let's not forget, ye old Bruce Pearl <laughs> went down at Tennessee. For lying to the NCAA. Uh, and so, I mean, you can get fired. Now, I believe, I don't think the NCAA made Tennessee fire Bruce Pearl. He ultimately got a show cause. But, uh, you know, he gets fired. And, you know, this is <laughs> just stop. What are you talking about? Tennessee fired absolutely everybody. They cooperated to a point with the NCAA that they probably shouldn't have. And then, you know, they, they get out on the other side, having gone through three entire years of garbage and finally come out on the other side, scathed, or I guess you could say hit, but mostly unscathed, injured, but hey, you just got it done with an 11-2 and two season. Um, and Jim Harbaugh's still there, lied to the NCAA, gets a four-game suspension for games that are complete jokes. Just quit. Just stop it. This this was silly, and I can't stand it. I wonder how Michigan fans feel about Jim Harbaugh at this point, because every offseason he flirts with the NFL. It looks like he's going, and then he doesn't get hired. Um, and maybe some of the I think some of this was going down around that same time whenever he lied to the investigators or refused to admit that he lied. I think he had the most flimsy excuses. He said he didn't mean to lie; that he couldn't really remember, which is you know, the, the worst excuse ever. I think it's what every bad criminals ever tried to use, but <laughs> I mean, how do they feel about this guy? He does, he doesn't win some games, but he hasn't won him a championship. He, he's what not done well against Ohio state. I, I'm not sure where the upside here is to, to really given this guy, everything he wants when he's constantly, he's like Mike Gundy at Oklahoma state in a way. The only reason he has not gotten fired is because he's beaten Ohio state the last two years. That is it. I mean, he was on thin ice before the last two seasons. 
and that that has saved him completely. But now you've done it, and that's you. You got all the way to the playoff, and you blew it against a team that went into the national championship game and lost by seventy, or however much it was. Wasn't it literally 60, 65 to seven yeah, or something? something stupid and you lost to the seven team out of the 65 to seven (laughs) and uh, yeah they're not gonna fire him he's winning literally every game but the playoff games and so and i guess they they made the playoff the year before they lost to georgia georgia won the national championship i I, you know it's a, a real nice problem to have to be making it to the playoff two years in a row and then you lose in the playoff uh, cause you're still there, you know, back-to-back big 10 champions, uh, big 10 Jeff is an absolute shambles because his team plays terrible teams all year and then loses the one actual game they play. Um, it just, uh, with, with Harbaugh, I mean, well, you, he's kind of in a position like, what are you going to do? Fire me. Where are you going to go? Go to the well, guy. I mean, like who, who is it going to be? Who are you going to go get? <laughs> I guess that's, that's gotta be what they're thinking, right? Yeah, it has to be. Cause he's almost like, he's almost in a Mark Rick situation in a way like he's he's got close he hasn't won a bowl game though since his first year michigan 2015 uh so like you said he's winning a lot of games but not winning the ones at the end of the season that matters which ultimately michigan one of the most storied programs in the in the country that's the expectation but you're right like who do you go get i mean that's always the question when you fire a coach and there just aren't a lot of obvious answers out there there never are really they're all gambles i mean Georgia hired Kirby Smart. We really didn't know how it would go since so many Saban assistants fell miserably. I don't know. I just, I just feel like I would get fed up with his kind of his shenanigans if I was a Michigan fan. Yeah, he he has treaded on thin ice and then come back to not being on the hot seat. And then, you know, you keep doing some of this nonsense. You're probably going to go back to the hot seat. He's, he's an interesting guy. I do. I, I like this comment. Does Ryan Day at Ohio State get fired before Harbaugh? It's the same situation in a way, though, right? It is because he's now now Ryan Day is going and now two years in a row has lost the one hard game they play, uh, unlike Harbaugh winning it. And but then they go to the playoff and they actually give Georgia a run. Should have beat them. Yeah, shame on you for not. Frankly, doesn't get hurt. Yeah, um, I. It, it that's a weird that is a really weird one because their expectations are super super high. I mean, I I could see maybe you have like a a nine and three season this year, and then they just get greedy and they go, "All right, you're fired. We got let's go get Mike Vrabel or something." You know, oh, yeah, you, that, would be, that, that would be the uh, their white will, I guess. Yes, because because you you got guys out there now. They to me they do have options. They have their Jim Harbaugh in Vrabel they wouldn't go back to the urban well, but I mean, you, you know, there's, there's some guys out there. It's Ohio state. They have draw. I personally like to just to answer that question. I do think that I think Ryan day will get fired before Harbaugh, Harbaugh mm-hmm. leaves. Cause they, I think Michigan owes Harbaugh like a billion dollars. <laughs> I don't know exactly how much it is, but it's tens of millions of dollars, I believe. And so they would have to pay him a ton to leave. And then who are you going to go get? And, and day, they, they wouldn't have to pay him a ton to leave. I don't think at this point, and I don't know what the buyout is. I'm sure it's not small, but uh, and then I think they could go and make personally a better hire because it seems like they 
Day is still, he's done some kind of living off the glow of urban and just sort of like just skating by. And then finally he's losing to Michigan. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. He might escape. They might. I mean, they could both eventually. I know Harbaugh does it every offseason, but going to the NFL would seem like a logical move for both of them or really any college football coach at this point because uh, we've talked about it plenty of times before, but the time management of being a college football coach right now is just insane. You really have no time off. You're constantly stressing about the transfer portal, NIL, trying to land these kids, keeping kids in your program. It's it's a nightmare life right now for a lot of college head coaches. So I could see some of those guys wanting to, hey, maybe let's go to the NFL where it's a little bit, shockingly, a little more laid back. It's just football. You just practice in football, and that's it. You're not worried about classroom stuff and compliance stuff and all this other stuff. You're just out there trying to win games. Well, we'll see. I It is kind of ironic. I said, uh, in I don't know, I did a couple of different things about the NCAA stuff, but in one of those interviews, um, I said, I just really hope that this punishment to Tennessee is the last swing of the NCAA. Uh, and then literally, like, six days later, <laughs> they give Harbaugh this thing. Um, so, yeah, who knows? What's going to happen as far as that goes? Abolish the NCAA, let me say. Make them go it's away. It's almost like they want to be like, hey, guys, there's still rules. Like, we're still here. We're still relevant. And that's the main reason they want to suspend Harbaugh, just so it's a big story. Yeah. They're like a substitute teacher that's just lost control of the class. And they're they're like grasping. No, you're going to the principal's office. Come with me. But meanwhile, they're going to the principal's office. But the class is still back there going crazy. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a great analogy. Yeah. I, I came up with that one off the cuff. I'm, I was surprised oh, myself nice, there. Yeah. That was a good one. It works. Yeah. Sometimes I start an analogy and it doesn't go where I think it's going to go. <laughs> yeah. It makes no sense. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I pulled pulled out a clutch one there. Um. All right. <laughs> Charlie Burst, Zach Reagan. That's a show for us tonight. Oh, so close to the season. We. I mean, we're really in like position preview territory, in game preview territory now. You're like, you're getting within that. That's sphere. That's how close football. I, I guess realistically to the first week into football, you're only four weeks away because it, it usually starts a week before like SEC teams start playing. Um, I think doesn't Vandy play Hawaii or something? I think maybe that I was like that was week zero last yeah. year. They Vandy went to Hawaii. Um, yeah, so close. Can't wait to talk about it. And obviously we're going to discuss it all. Big Orange podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For listening, Top Troop, Elias, Billy, even Big Big Ten Jeff. Yeah, you were here. Uh, Nugs, thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who listened, to everybody that commented. Seriously, means the world. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. We'll talk to you. Uh, <laughs> just messed up, messed that up. We'll talk to all y'all next week. See you guys later.